graced me to stand at the first day of another week, not knowing what I'm going to go through this week, but I know who I'm going through it with. Amen, somebody. Did y'all get that? I don't know what's going to meet me this week, but I know who I'm going through this week with. Amen, somebody. And that means it doesn't matter what I go through this week because I know who I'm walking with through this week. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. This is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. It is so good to see each and every one of you. And we want for our visitor to know from the big H town, amen, somebody, that you are our, matter, you are our most honored, highly, amen, somebody, yeah, our most highly guest. And we, we certainly welcome you here at the Avenue F Church of Christ. We realize that there are many places of worship you could have visited this morning, but we are so glad that you thought enough of God and of us to come and to worship God collectively here uh, with us. I heard you guys had an amazing time bowling with Sister Stafford on yesterday. Yes, and I heard that Brother, Brother Cole is going to grace me with a $50 gift card after worship service, and so I'll, I'll be waiting on that. But we heard that you guys had a wonderful time. Come on out next week to the Greenville Avenue Church of Christ and uh, be there with our youth as our youth are going to compete in the Bible Bowl. I can testify personally that they have been working extremely hard uh, to prepare for this, and I would say to us that if we would go and, and be at their football game, basketball game, then we should certainly be there when they're getting excited about Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we're certainly waiting for that. Next Sunday is a big Sunday for us. We are going to have our Avenue F Church of Christ annual picnic, as well as we have labeled this day as Represent Sunday. Amen. Represent Sunday, where you are able to represent whomever or whatever organization it is that you want to represent. And we are looking, um, I am, I can honestly say that I am looking forward to seeing who you guys are going to represent. And for those of you that don't have anything to represent, Eric and I will be selling uh, shirts out of our cars. Uh, over at the park, and, and you, you will not be left out. Amen, somebody. You won't be left out. But we really are looking forward to that on next, on next Sunday. Bring your guests. If someone's a member of your organization, you say, hey, we're having Represent Sunday, and you come and you represent, you represent our organization uh, with us. And so bring your guests uh, as well. I also want to announce that in, uh, beginning in October, starting October the 6th, the first Sunday in October, we will engage in our next series. We are going to close our series with David and the Psalms, and we're going to begin our next series, and our next series will be titled Family Matters. Family Matters, and this will be a series that will seek to address common issues that we face in our families. That is for our married couples. That is for our singles. That is for our single moms. Amen, somebody. That is for our divorce, our divorce crowd. It, whatever relationship status you find yourself in, and you do know you are engaged in relationships. How do you handle your work relationships? How do you handle relationships in the body of Christ? And this will seek to address common issues that we face in our relationships. And so we invite you to invite your guests to come and join us throughout the month of October and November as we seek to address family matters. Amen, somebody? All right, you ready for the word? Join me in Psalm 51, beginning at verse number one. Psalm chapter 51, beginning at verse number, verse number one. And I want to do something a little different. Bear with me. I want to, I didn't do this this morning, but do y'all mind if I read it from the Message Bible? 
Nobody minds that? Okay. All right. Give me one second to clear this up. That's Psalm chapter 51. There we go. Psalm chapter number 51. And we want to read beginning at verse number 1 through uh, verse number, Psalm number chapter 51, beginning at verse number 1, ending, if you will, at verse number 13. Psalm chapter number 1. Chapter 51, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that, Lord, you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. And I can tell by your silence, I don't, ha I don't have a church yet, but I think at verse 10 I'll get a church. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Do I have a church now? And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Did you catch verse 10? After I've got done saying all I could say, here's my last thing, God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Family, I want to talk to us this morning from the subject matter, sitting at the table of brokenness. Sitting at the table of brokenness. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for blessing us and thank you so much for keeping us. Father God, it's our prayer that you might guide us this morning as we seek to understand what to do when we have been broken. Father God, guide us and keep us, and we know you will, so we say thank you in advance. Help us to go down into the deep treasures of your word. And Father God, as we surface, we pray that we might be changed and that we might live a better life according to your will and word. In Jesus' name we ask all of this. Amen. Sitting at the table of brokenness. was years ago, but I remember it as if it were yesterday. That is, I had graduated from elementary school and I now was getting ready to enter into middle school. And you know, elementary school is a little different than middle school because in, in middle school, we actually were able to get out of those uniforms and we were able to wear regular clothes, if you will, to school. 
And I remember mother going down to the store, and mother made sure that I was, amen, somebody. I was clean for the first day of, of sixth grade. I remember the outfit, as a matter of fact. It was a Tommy Hilfiger shirt, amen, somebody. With Anybody know something about Jabot's jeans? Amen. All right, okay, all right. Yeah, with some, with some Jabot jeans. And yeah, amen. And I remember I had, I had the, uh, I think they were the Jordan 13s, the Space Jam Jays. I did. I had those as well, so I was, I was clean. And I remember when I got, you know, I had an old school mama. Y'all remember old school mama, old school mama? And they used to always tell me, boy, you come to school every day, starch and iron. Y'all know about that, coming to school, amen, somebody, starch and iron. And, and mom, when she got me ready, she said, now listen, you're going to school today. And um, now listen, when you get ready to go and you get ready to play, she says, uh, you go ahead and play, but I don't want for you to get in the mud. Amen, somebody, don't. Don't get in the mud because I just bought those clothes and you're not going to get those. Amen, somebody. I had old school mama. You, you're not going to get those clothes dirty. Amen. And so I remember going to school and I remember going outside and I remember playing. And as I was playing, I was just playing, just having myself a good old time. And before I knew it, it was time to come into the school. And when I looked down, I had mud all over the bottom of my shoe, or rather all over my shoes. And I had mud on the bottom of my pants. And I began to say, how in the world am I going to explain what I have done. Amen, somebody. So I went to the restroom, turned on the faucet. Amen, somebody. And I began to scrub my shoes and try to scrub the bottom of my pants. And I remember thinking, all right, you might be all right. You might just pass by. Amen, somebody. But I had one of those mamas that didn't miss anything. And I remember going home and the first thing mama looked at was my, amen, was my shoes. And she said, listen, I told you to not play in the mud. And, and man, I Amen. I wasn't saved then. I said, Mama, I wasn't playing in the mud. Amen, somebody. And Mama said, no, I know you've been playing in the mud. And I said, well, Mama, how do you know I've been playing in the mud? She says, boy, I could tell you've been playing in the mud because you have mud on you. You tried to clean yourself up, but you didn't clean yourself up good enough for me to know that you've been playing in the mud. Have you ever played in the mud? Have you ever found yourself just trying to dibble and dabble in some stuff and you thought that you were just going to get in and get out and be unscathed, but then you soon found out that you have bitten off more than you can chew and, and you found that you thought you were just going to go over and get in and get out as quickly and inconspicuously as possible and before you know it, you weren't just playing in the mud, but you began to roll off in the mud. Amen, somebody. You begin to make the mud pit real comfortable for yourself. That is, that is, you found yourself dirty. Amen, somebody. And the question this morning is, what do you do when you get dirty? All right, I don't have a church yet. You ready? Listen, listen, I know why I don't have a church yet. That is, before we dive into this text, let me lay down some ground rules. That is... If you are among the followers of God that have never sinned before, I give you permission right now to get your stuff together and you may exit the sanctuary because this ain't the place for you. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. Listen, listen, if you are among the people that have never gotten dirty before, then I want for you to raise your hand and I will come and I will escort you to the pulpit. And I will allow you to stand here in my place and I will sit down and I will learn from you as to how it is you have matriculated through 
through your adolescence, through your teen years, through your young adult years, through your middle age years, now into your old age, and you have, you have managed not to get dirty at all. I will sit down. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Listen, but is there anybody in here like me that know where God has brought you from? And you know that there are some places that you have been that you should not have gone. There are some things that has come out of your mouth that you know is not in line with God, but you can now stand on the other side of the mud and say, I know that I have played in the mud before, but God has been so good to me. Amen, somebody. Listen, listen, if you think that that's not you, I got news for you. I have news for you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You ready for it? Amen, somebody. You know what that means? Now, listen, he uses two words to identify how messed up we really are. He used the first word that say all have sinned, speaking of the past, past tense. So that is, in your past, you've sinned, but there are some people that believe that even though I've sinned in my past, that means I'm better than people because I don't make those mistakes anymore. So Paul understood somebody would say that, and so Paul said, all have sinned in the past and come up short in the present. Amen, somebody. So that is, it doesn't matter how far down the line you think you are or how better you think you are than anybody else. Everybody in here, your sin might not be my sin. My sin might not be your sin. You might have played in the mud for one day. I might have played in the mud for eight. Man, I wish I had a church right here. I might have played in the church for some years. But whether you played for a day or played for some years, we all come up short of the glory of God. Amen, somebody. What do you do when you get dirty? When you and I get dirty, number one, we need to realize we need the mercy of God. Number two, we need to understand that we have a broken nature. And lastly, we need to ask God for restoration. Number one, you need to understand that when you sin, when we find ourselves, our sin finding us out, when we are dirty, you need the mercy of God. Number two, you need to understand your broken nature. And lastly, you need to ask God for for restoration. What's interesting in this text is if you look in your Bible, matter of fact, if you have any reliable Bible, if you just look at the top of Psalm 51, there's a very interesting phrase that's mentioned before the text is written in verse number one. The Bible says that this is a psalm that was written by David after Nathan had come to him about his sin with Bathsheba. Lord have mercy. Amen, somebody. So that sets the context. Ross, what are you talking about? I never heard that before. Listen, David had been chosen by God to be the king of Israel. And God had delivered David from enemies on every side, even his greatest enemy, that is Saul. And God allowed David to sit on the throne. The Bible says in one season that the army of God had gone out to uh, engage in battle, but David stayed behind and stayed home. David goes up on his roof to just look out. And when David looks out, David just so happens to see a woman on top of her roof, and she's taking a bath. Brothers, can I get amen or amen, somebody? She's out there on her roof, and she's taking a bath. The Bible says that David began to inquire about her, and David sent some men over and said, find out some more information about this woman. The men come back, and they say, David, that is Bathsheba, and she is the wife of Uriah, who's out there fighting for you in battle. David, after he finds out all the information David proceeds to call Bathsheba to his home, and David lays down with Bathsheba. And, ba and David believes that after he lays with Bathsheba, that he will just send her home, and the story will be over and forgotten. But all of a sudden, David one day gets that phone call. I know that phone call I'm talking about, right? That is, David, we might have played for one night, but the game ain't over yet. Amen, somebody. 
that is David. We might have did our thing for one night, but understand that David, David, we can no longer hide this because I am pregnant. Amen. And like Mari would say, David, you are. Now, y'all got it. Amen, somebody. You are the father. The Bible says that David begins to plot and plan, that is to cover up his sin. Can anybody in here testify that sin has taken you further than you wanted to go and sin has made you pay more than you expected to pay and you found yourself paying more to cover up your sin? Amen, somebody. And so what does David do? David begins to try to cover it up. What does David do? David says, fine, go and get Uriah from war off the battlefield. Send Uriah home. He'll lay with his wife and it'll all be covered up. But Uriah was one of those good church-going Christian folk. Amen, somebody. And Uriah came back and said, no, David, I cannot do this for David. How is it that my men can be out in battle, but I go home and enjoy my wife? And so David comes out of his home and David sees Uriah laying there at the king's door. David says, fine, you didn't get by that one. Then here's what I'll do. I'll throw a party and I'll get you drunk. And then you'll go home and lay with your wife. Then the Bible says Uriah got drunk and Uriah did not go home to his wife. And so David tried once. David tried twice. And then David said, all right, these are desperate measures. And I need a desperate answer for my desperate situation. The Bible says that David now says, listen, go and put Uriah on the front lines. Because I know that that's where the battle will be the highest. Put him on the front line. And the Bible says they put, they put Uriah on the front line and Uriah is killed. When Uriah is killed, word gets back to David. David begins to take Bathsheba into his own home as his own wife. And the story in David's mind is over. And then Nathan, the prophet, he comes to David and says, David, I have a story to tell you. Do you have time? David says, yes, I have time. He says, listen, there was a rich man who threw a party for one of his visitors. And he, though he was rich and had plenty of cattle, chose not to slay one of his cattle to feed his friends. He rather went to this one poor man who had one little ewe lamb. And he took that little ewe lamb away from him and killed him and fed his friends with this other man's one ewe lamb. And he said, David, what do you think should be done with such a man? David says, I don't know who that man is. But what I need for you to do is go and find that man and bring him to me. For he might have only taken one lamb, but he's going to owe that man four lambs. And David thought the story was over. And Nathan looked David square in the eye and said, David, you thought I was talking about somebody else. But I ain't talking about nobody else, David. David, I'm talking about you. Amen. God says, David, look where I brought you from. When I found you, you were out there in your father's sheep pen tending the sheep. But I elevated you to a point of being the king over my people. How could you do such a thing? But since you have shamed God in public, God will now shame you in public. The son that Bathsheba has, he shall lose his life. And the sword, David, shall not depart from your house. For your sword shall rise up against you from among your own family. David got beside himself and said, wait a minute, I don't know if I can handle all of this. And David says in 2 Samuel 12, uh, he says, Nathan, I have sinned against God. Amen. So I'm going to start. I have sinned against God and I have been condemned and I am wrong before God. Now let me explain how good chapter 12 is because to understand the, the gravity of 12, you have to understand something else. That is, David fell with Bathsheba in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. But it's not until you understand what happens 
uh, three to four chapters before that you understand what's going on in chapter 11. In chapter, in chapter 6 of 2 second, of second Samuel, David, God allowed David to move the ark from among the Philistines back to Jerusalem. In chapter 7, David plans to build a temple and receives blessings from Samuel to build the temple. In chapter 8, David defeated the Philistines, the Moabites, Hadeazar, and the Armenians. In chapter 9, David shows kindness to Jonathan and Mephibosheth. In chapter 10, David defeated the Ammonites and the Armenians. And chapter 11 starts by saying, and then it happened. Amen, somebody. In chapter 6, God allowed him to be successful. In chapter 7, God allowed him to be successful. In chapter 8, 9, and 10, God is allowing David to be successful. But then in chapter 11, the Bible says, and then it happened. Amen, somebody. Does anybody know about, and then it happened? That is, that is, one decision that you make in life can change the entire narrative of your life. Some choices you make will put you in debt so deep that you will spend the rest of your life making payments on your debt. And I, young folk, if you are in here, I pray to God you're listening to me. Young folk, you can make some choices in middle school, in elementary school, in high school that you will spend the rest of your life. Do I have anybody over 25 know what I'm talking about? That there are some choices you can make when you 15, 14, 13 that you will spend your 21, 22, 31, 41, and 51. Paying for stuff that, hey amen, I wish I had a church right there. Let me, let me just put it like this. If you don't believe that one decision will change your life, let me call Mr. Antonio Brown to the stand. Okay, that didn't get you. If you don't believe one decision to change your life, can I call Orenthal James Simpson, O.J. Simpson to the stand? If you don't believe one decision can change your life, can I call Dr. Bill Cosby? to the witness stand. Man, there's some stuff that you can do. One mistake. You will spend the rest of your life, amen, somebody, paying for that. But what do I do, Ross, when I make a mistake? Understand that what you need is God's mercy, amen, somebody. What I can appreciate and what we should appreciate about David is David's honesty. David did not play the blame game, neither in 2 Samuel or in Psalm 51. Do you find David blaming someone else for the mistake that he made? That is, David didn't go around blaming other people for the mistakes that he made. David took responsibility for his own mistakes. Why do you say that, Ross? Because his daddy Adam was not the same way. The Bible says that God had put, placed Adam and Eve in the garden and had given them food to eat. And God says, you can eat anything you want to, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. The Bible says that Satan talks to the woman, amen, somebody. He talks to the woman, and when Satan gets done talking to her, she looks at the tree again. She partakes of the fruit, takes some back to Adam. Adam partakes as well. The Bible says that God is walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And as God is walking through the garden in the cool of the day, he says, Adam, where are you? That's a sermon all by itself. Adam, where are you? I can't find you. Adam says, God, I was hiding from you because I was naked. God says, Adam, who told you that you were naked? Adam didn't say, Lord, what I did. Adam said, Lord, that woman, amen, somebody, that you gave me, she gave it to me, and I ate it. You know what he was saying? Lord, if you didn't give me that, he was blaming God, amen, somebody, that God, if you didn't give me the woman, then I wouldn't have the trouble that I'm having right now, amen, somebody. And God says, no, Adam, I told you 
what to do, and I'm holding you responsible. Let me just give it to you clear right here. When you are a blamer, you will go through life blaming everybody else for the decisions that you yourself have chosen to make. But if you want to mature, there must come a point in your story where you're able to say, I am responsible for the decisions that I have made. And I need to come begging God for forgiveness in dealing with me. Let me give it to you this way. Hiding your sin will not help your sin. Hiding your sin will only hinder the grace of God that he wants to give to you. Let me give it to you this way. First John chapter 1 says like this. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, Ross, I ain't never sinned in my life. I got a verse for you too. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. Amen, somebody. That is, if you say you ain't never sinned, I know your sin. That's lying. Amen, somebody. All of us have, have sinned. Listen, let me give it to you. Like, What do we need? We need mercy. When a former mayor of New York, the former mayor of New York, he befriended a poor, dejected outcast of society who had committed a crime. And the prosecuting attorney, when they went to court, he says, why would you represent such a man? Uh, he is a tramp and he is no good. He, and he says he's only getting what he deserves. Amen, somebody. The mayor looks at him and says, have you ever heard of the mother who went and spoke on behalf of her son to Napoleon. That is, Napoleon, the young man had committed two prior crimes. This is his third offense. And they are getting ready to throw the book at him. And the mother comes and bows down before Napoleon and pleads with him not to give her son the death penalty. But she said, sir, I don't ask for justice. I only ask for mercy. And the story goes on to say, Napoleon said, ma'am, I cannot give him mercy because he does not deserve mercy. And the mom looked at him and the mom says, sir, I understand what you're saying, but it would not be mercy if he deserved it. Lord, have mercy. It, I understand, but, but listen, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. But I'm asking you for what he does not, amen, somebody, for what he does not deserve. And he says, listen, ma'am, you're right, and I will grant him mercy. Church, in our sin condition, what do we need? We don't need God's justice, amen, somebody, because God's justice will put us in a devil's hell. What we need is God's mercy. Somebody say, be merciful to me, Lord, amen, somebody. Listen, not only do we need to understand that, but understand this too. You need to understand, not only do you need God's mercy, but you need to understand that we all have a broken nature. A broken nature. Let me give it to you this way. In verse number five, he says like this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. You know what David says? David says, there's something else going on inside of me. David says, there is another power at work in me. 
and I'm trying to figure out where it came from. Okay, that's David's story. Can I bring it to you and I? Let me say it the way Paul would say it. When I want to do good. Okay, all right, I don't have a church yet. Y'all ready? So I find this law at work and the law working in my members. That even though I want to do good, I find the good that I want to do that I don't do. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I do. He said, so I find that something must be going on inside of me, that the law of God is pulling me in one direction, but there's something else pulling me in a, amen, somebody, in another direction. It's like it's a war going on inside of me. Amen. Can anybody here help me testify that, that I, I, I know the right thing to do, but I can't always seem to find. I know I shouldn't cuss them out. Lord, have mercy. Oh, work with me, Lord. You ready? Listen, listen. Where does it come from? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse number 12. I want to show you something. Where does this thing come from? Where does our problems come from? Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. You ready? Romans 5, 12. Where does our, I want you to get this. I want to teach you something. Therefore, you there? I want you to get it. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For if by the transgression of the one, I'm sorry, I'm in verse 17 now, I'm sorry, forgive me, verse 17 now. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, underline that, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Did you catch that? That's your verse. Through the sin of one man, the many became sinners. Amen, somebody. Let me, let me just give it to you like this. I myself stand six foot now, seven and a half inches tall. My wife now stands five foot 11 inches tall. Claire Ross, our daughter, is the tallest student in first grade. Are you surprised why? Amen, somebody. You are not surprised why. Do you understand? You're not surprised that she stands that tall because look at her parents. Lord, have mercy. What Paul is saying here is you should not be surprised that you have this sinful nature because there's some stuff that you have inherited from your daddy, Adam. Amen, somebody. And you have inherited a sinful nature from your daddy, Adam. That's why sometimes the stuff that you want to do, you don't do. And the stuff that you ain't supposed to be in, that's what you get in because you have inherited, amen, somebody, you have inherited your dad is jeans. Let me just give it to you like this. What do you mean, Ross, you've inherited jeans? I give it to you real simple. We almost out of here. Amen, somebody. You ain't got to preach long. Just preach strong. Here it is. In Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam sinned by eating fruit. 
in chapter 4, Cain sinned by killing Abel. Do you, you know that's his sons, right? In chapter 3, Adam sinned. In chapter 4, his son sinned. Amen, somebody. In chapter 6, God vows to destroy the world because everybody is sinning. Amen, somebody. And then in chapter 8, God devises a plan to save Noah and Noah's sons and his daughter-in-laws. Amen, somebody. And the Bible says that Noah was good. Then Noah got off the boat and Noah got drunk. Noah gets drunk. His son Ham comes into the tent and sees his daddy naked and God curses Ham. Do you see how sin just goes from one generation to the next generation? Sin just keep on going down the line and down the line and down the line. Why is that? It is because there is a nature that we now have. There is a part of us, a, a, there's a part of us now that we have that is in direct contention with the laws of God. That's why sometimes the stuff you know wrong is the very thing you do. Amen, 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 amen. But he says, Lord, wash me. Wash me. Lord, have mercy. You ever get stains in your clothes? Y'all do get stains in your clothes, amen, somebody. You ever eat and, amen, anybody go to Popeye's and get one of them chicken sandwiches, amen, somebody, and you... Y'all know Christians like chicken. Amen. It's all good. It's all just go ahead and tell somebody you've been in that line two and three hours waiting on your chicken sandwich. Amen, somebody. And you didn't wait to get it home. You waited right there in the car. Amen, somebody. And you didn't try to get it on you, but it got on your nice dress, your nice skirt, your nice shirt. Amen. Amen. They open on Sundays too. Amen, somebody. Chick-fil-A. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Amen. Anyway, listen, 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 listen. You get that stuff on you and you got to go home. How do you get the stain out? You have to wash what's been made dirty. Do you know that's the same word for wash that David used? He says, Lord, I'm dirty. But I realize I have tried to go to the sink and clean myself up. But even though I've tried to clean myself up, there's something I've realized. The more I try, the more the stain spreads. And so I realized I cannot clean myself up. Lord, the only way I'm going to get clean is if you put me in your washing machine and make me brand new again. Amen, somebody. That's why he says, Lord, have verse number 10, creating me. A clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Y'all ready for that? Create in me. What's interesting is the word create is talking about bringing on something new, not refurbishing what was already there. Lord, have mercy. So he's not saying, Lord, make this, refurbish this. Lord, I need you to take this out and then create in me. Okay, all right, amen, somebody. Can I tell you all about create? Can I tell you about create? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness covered the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there 
be light, and there was light. Come on, somebody help me now. David is saying, Lord, I need for you to do inside of me the same thing you did in the beginning. Lord, I need for you just to start speaking on my life. Come, God, help me. I wish I had a church right here. Lord, I know your word is so powerful that if you just start speaking on my life, Lord, stuff that was out of order will all of a sudden begin to get in order. Lord, there's some people in my life that don't need to be in my life. And if you just start speaking, you will remove them devils, amen, somebody, out of my life. Lord, there's some stuff in my mind that don't need to be there. Lord, there's some stuff I gravitate toward that I don't need to gravitate toward. So, Lord, can you take out this old man and put in a new man? Lord, make me over again. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Amen, somebody. A clean heart, oh God. Amen, somebody. Now, why does David need a clean heart? Why does he, any, any minister up in here, I want you to hear me right now. Because even though David has sinned, God still keeps him as the king. Which means that though he's fallen, he's still responsible for leading God's people. Lord, do you know what that means? That means that David has to lead while he's bleeding. That's why I say pray for your elders. I say pray for your deacons. Because sometimes while they're trying to lead, they bleeding themselves. Amen, somebody. And so he says, Lord, I need a new heart if I'm going to continue, if I'm going to continue to lead your people. Let me tell you something. Can I be honest with you right now? I'm closing. I told you I'm almost done here. Amen. Listen, listen. Let me tell you something. Just because you start off bad doesn't mean your story has to end the way it started. Let me say it one more time. Just because you got off to a bad start doesn't mean you have to have a bad ending. Just because your chapter one was jacked up doesn't mean your chapter 19 got to be jacked up. Do you know that God can do some stuff from chapter two to chapter 19? Amen, somebody. That can turn the whole story around. Yeah, it's like I know what I'm talking about. Can I help you understand what I'm talking about? In 2016, LeBron James, in my opinion, the greatest player, they ever play. Amen, somebody. Thank you, my sister. I appreciate you. Amen, somebody. Amen. Listen, listen. The greatest player to ever play the game. Listen. LeBron James and his Cleveland Cavaliers were down in the playoffs, championship series, to the Golden State Warriors. And they were down in the series three games to one. Did y'all get that? After the game, the reporter comes to LeBron James and puts a microphone in his face and says, LeBron, listen, we want you to know something. Now, we know now that you're down in the series 3-1 going back home to Cleveland. Now, LeBron, you do know that no one has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. Now, that's heartbreaking. Nobody has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. What are you going to do? LeBron James says, well, no, she said, what are you going to do to win the series? LeBron says, well, ma'am, to be honest with you, I'm not looking to win the series. All I know is we have one more game that we play in two days, and I need to be prepared to win that game. And if we win that game, then we go on to game six. So if I win game five, the only thing I'm concerned about is not game seven, but I got to win game six. And if we win game six, then the only thing I'm concerned about 
is winning game seven and the championship. Amen. Somebody help me write that. That is, what LeBron James was saying is, listen, I'm not looking at all the way down the line because I might get lost looking that far into the future. He says, but what I'm going to do is take it game by game. I'm going to take it day by day. I'm going I'm going to take it decision by decision. Amen, somebody. And if you know anything about that series, the Cleveland Cavaliers, even though they started off bad, ended up winning the series, not in Cleveland, but on the enemy's home court. Lord, have mercy, somebody. And you need to know that your story might start off bad in, 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 in quarter number one. You might have a bad quarter number two. But, baby, you got to keep waking up in the morning. You got to keep praising God. You got to keep reading your Bible. You got to keep on coming to church. And even though your round one might have been bad, in round 10, you will knock that joke out. Amen, somebody. If that don't get you, because I hear you now, Ross, you don't know what you're talking about. How in the world you know what you're talking about? Boy, that ain't how David's story ended. You don't know your Bible. Amen, somebody. You ready? The Lord told David, I'm not letting you off the hook. I'm going to hold you accountable to your, I'm going to give you grace but I'm going to hold you accountable to the sin that you have committed because you have made me look bad in front of everybody. I'm going to hold you accountable to that. You're going to lose this child that you're going to have with Bathsheba. Amen, somebody. Now, now what you know is that you do know that David had multiple wives. Bathsheba was just the side. Lord, have amen, somebody. Amen, amen. All right. He had multiple wives. And he had multiple children from those wives. But do you know who sat on the throne after David passed away? It was his son, Solomon. Do you know who Solomon is? Solomon is the son, the second son that David had with Bathsheba. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Do you see how God can take your first quarter and your second quarter and your third quarter and God can flip that thing around in a way that you never thought. That is, Lord, I messed up in quarter one. Amen, somebody. Lord, I made some mistakes in quarter two. Amen, somebody. But God says, give me your mess, and I'm going to give you a message to tell somebody. Give me your errors, and I'm going to give you a testimony to tell somebody. That's why David said, Lord, will you do it for me? You know what I'm going to do? Then I'm going to start telling people about your ways, and then people will be converted unto you. Family, the worst thing you can do is have God deliver you, and you keep your mouth closed. When God turns that thing around, you need to tell somebody how God brought you over. Amen, somebody. I did it first service. I guess I'll do it right now. I might get in trouble, but hey, it is. I've been in trouble my whole life. Here, you ready? Listen. Hiding sin will not help your sin. Years ago, I was at uh, HBU and one of my graduate classes, and we were having a discussion, a lecture, um, over what, how the church should handle the LBGTQ community. Y'all know what that is, don't you? Amen. The LB, what should the church do? And it was a deep discussion. And we were all speaking, if you will, hypothetically. Amen. Hypothetically. That is as if we were. Amen, somebody. What we should do. How we should respond. One of my classmates raised his hand and said, listen, listen, I hear all of you talking. And I hear all of you talking 
Um, he says, but I want for you guys to know that I was a member of that community. Now, he's married now with three children to a woman with three children. But he says, I was a member of that community for my whole life. He says, but God changed my heart. And God gave me a new heart. But he said, listen, before I go any further, can y'all turn off your cell phones, shut the cameras, turn off all microphones, because this cannot get back to the church I go to. Because if it gets back to the church I go to, I'm on staff, and they will fire me for my past. It wasn't a dry eye in the room. And you know what it made me begin to think about? What has the church become? What has the church become? Where people that have been delivered can't even come and give their testimony without fear of being marginalized, fired, no longer allowed to serve and worship God in all honesty. What, have, what has the church become? When if somebody comes out and says they, that they might be struggling with their sexual identity, we treat them one way, but if a joke is in the pulpit preaching, sleeping with every sister in the church, we have nothing to say about that. See, see amen, somebody. What have we become when there are people that are struggling internally with their sexual identity, but we have nothing to say about the member that's stealing from the church? I'm sorry, but the Bible does not say that one sin is greater than any other sin before God. Sin is sin. That's gay sin. Amen, somebody. That's stealing sin. That's lying sin. That's cheating sin. That's not forgiving sin. That's not loving sin. And I will go on record and say that the way in which we have treated that community in relationship to how we do everything else. People have been delivered. Can't give a testimony. David says, you can try to hold back. Amen, Lord, have mercy. Amen, somebody. He says, Lord, I need you to make me over again. Amen, somebody. And anybody that has been in the depths of sin like David has, like I have, like if you have been in the depths of sin, you know that when God delivers you, you know that it was nobody but God that delivered you through what it is he has delivered you through. But don't keep your mouth closed. Tell somebody that God brought me over. You ready? Because that just might be the testimony that draws them closer to God. And delivers them from their sin. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. I ain't mean to get all off in that, but hey, the Spirit led me to get in that thing. Amen, somebody. Because we got to, we, listen, family, we have to do better. But when we become so holy and so sanctified and so high-minded that hurting people can't stand to be around us, that's an issue. Amen, somebody. 
Amen, somebody. It doesn't matter little sin, big sin, whatever sin. Sin is sin, and if we're going to treat one sin one way, we ought to treat all sin the exact same way. Amen, somebody. Amen. 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 Listen, listen, listen. We're here this morning. And we're here this morning. You're like David. You're saying, Lord, I need a new heart. Amen, somebody. I need a, I just, Lord, I'm just dirty and I need, I sure enough need a new heart in me. This heart I got is just messed up, tore up from the flow up. Lord, I just need, I need a new heart. Just cry out to God and say, I need a new heart. Listen, we can and will pray for you this morning. If you are here and you are not a Christian, do you know how, how blessing, how much of a blessing it is to be called a child of God? That whenever you're going through stuff in your life, you have a father you can call upon. And our father will dispatch help to you to help you in your time of need. Why would you not want to be a Christian? Amen, somebody. Now you're asking, well, Ross, how do I become a Christian? Good question. Good question. I can only tell you what Peter told them. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter says, repent. That is, that is, when you repent, that means that you are turning away from your sin and you're walking in the other direction. That does not mean you will not stumble and sometimes fall. But what it does mean is that God will help you to get back up. Amen, somebody. You're, you're, you're going through life. You need to repent. Secondarily, he says, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. God will take your sin away. And he's going to give you a deposit of the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. You want to be added to the body of Christ. Please come this morning. Let's baptize you in water. We, we don't have anything more important to do than to see somebody be reborn into the kingdom of God. As well as if you're here this morning and you need prayer, let's pray for you right now. You think of the sentence sing the song that, that, uh, that the worship leader has chosen. God bless you, Avenue Rock. He called down.